A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello everyone, welcome back to Ausbiz. We kick off the afternoon live from our Barangaroo studios with the call 10 stocks picked by you. I put them to an expert panel uh, for adjudication and we do it all in 60 minutes on this Wednesday, the 16th of November. Uh, we've got the A-team on the panel today. Andrew Willem from uh, DP Wealth Advisory. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Gents, good to have you aboard on a Wednesday, hump, hump day, middle of the week. Um, yep. So we've got the ETF Whisperer <laughs> and the Lithium Guru. So we'll be covering. Uh, yeah, tarnished. Uh, well, yeah, no. Um, well, what, what do you think, Henry? Just quickly off the top, get out of Lithium. This is the end of it. No, no not by any stretch of the no? imagination. We've seen this before. No, we've seen this before, Koshi. We've seen, you know, you shake the trees, the monkeys fall. We've seen this before time and time again. Some little move in China, some little uh, GS uh, Goldman Sachs report. Uh, they were wrong last time. Let's face it, they were way off the mark. So why do we believe them this time? And, uh, you know, I don't think the electric vehicle story is a one day wonder, a one month wonder or a one year wonder. This is a decade story. OK. All right. You agree, Andrew? How, how am I going to um, sort of disagree with the lithium king? But I think Henry's spot on, you know, like I don't want to be disrespectful to analysts, but, you know, sometimes it's almost a trading opportunity, you know, sort of uh, saying, well, they're trying to shake the tree and, uh, you know, money moving from weak to strong hands, all that sort of stuff. So no, I wouldn't be uh, dropping my bundle on this you, or you buy ACDC. Are you, are you saying that, that analysts might be talking their own book and putting out reports that that um, that sort of suit, <laughs> suit their strategy. Andrew, come on. No, exactly. no right. you, you're misunderstanding me. Yeah, I'm yes, a simple yes, guy from Toowoomba. <laughs> that type of idea. All right. So forget all the charters <laughs> that are going. Woo! Lithium is broken. It's broken out. Sell all that sort of stuff. All right. Okay. Yeah, let's take. Luck. Let's take a look at the first first five <laughs> stocks uh, that we're going to cover today. Pan-Asia Metals. Uh, yes, an ETF, the Beta Shares Energy Transition Metals ETF. That's um, uh, very topical at the moment. Uh, Brambles, Baylor Technology Investments and New Century Zinc. Uh, stock of the day, I thought we'd take a look at Aristocrat. The poker machine giant says strong performance in its gaming uh, business. More than offset headwinds in mobile games entity Pixel United, delivering a 31% lift in full year normalised profit after tax to a billion dollars. Let's take a look and see how it's performing today. Down a bit, down 5% uh, trading so far today. Henry, what did you think of the update? Um, hi, Koshi. I've got to say, today's stocks are a bit heavy metal band like they're a bit of a motley crew. But um, <laughs> Aristocrat. 
I don't know. There's a part of me that always hates this stock because of the damage they do through the pokey machines. You know, it's mm. astronomical the amount of money that people put through. And I know that it's, you know, we're supposed to gamble responsibly, etc. Um, so that, that's part of me. I, I guess, you know, this has been one of those long-term growth stories. It's certainly one that we've held in our long-term growth portfolio for a long time. Hasn't really done an awful lot, I have to say. The results today... We saw a 5% drop so far. Um, there are, I guess, some disappointments. It was a slight miss uh, in places, and there was also a disappointment. We didn't see much in the way of guidance. Of course, Aristocrat is supposed to be recession sort of um, proof in some respects because we're always going to gamble. We've always got hope. But, um, you know, I, th I think, you know, for me, this is probably a hold, mainly because we've got it. I can't see anything in here that's going to really... Uh, excite me to be honest uh, but um, okay. you know we'll see what the brokers deliver everyone is to a man bullish of this stock uh, they always seem to be but it hasn't really seemed to have uh, lived up to expectations so uh, we hold it as I say in our growth portfolio our long-term growth portfolio so um, it's still a hold nothing really has disturbed that view right. but there's nothing here to say hey guys this is an absolute cracker let's get on with it because okay. um, you know, it has been going sideways, and I don't think this has um, really moved that needle. Okay, Andrew, are you bullish on Aristocrat? Uh, I'm a hold, Koshy. Uh, three days for good or bad news to wash through a company, and uh -huh. not that there was bad news here, but as Henry quite rightly points out, it's a growth company, and if you're not giving a lot of good guidance, or any uh, meaningful guidance rather, then the market's going, well, what's the issue here? So it ticks all the boxes relating to that peg ratio, whereby the PE is less than the earnings per share growth. It's great return on equity. You've got director and, uh, and, and CEO, sorry, chairman and CEO uh, buying shares. So it ticks all of the Andrew boxes, but a growth company not giving meaningful guidance, um, it's a hold. Okay. All right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to take a look at. And Olithium King, Louis wants a view on Pan-Asia Metals, the uh, exploration company in, with tungsten and lithium projects in southern Thailand. Um, are you talking to me, Koshi, as the Lion King or the Lithian Iron King? Yeah, <laughs> that's you. The, uh, You've this, got the main for it. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Um, the uh, Pan-Asia Metals, Thai-focused, uh, obviously. There's yeah. very few uh, Thai lithium explorers, and, of course, there is much uh, automobile manufacturing going on in Thailand, and that is the bonus there. Uh, they're developing battery and critical materials projects in Thailand. So that's good. It's only a $57 million market cap, and to be honest, it's probably a little bit early stage for me, and if we are going to see a little bit of a pullback in the lithium story and let's face it it was the only sexy story out there in a world of pain and a world where the markets were going down and, and the markets have sort of uh, shrugged off and some of those risks are, um, are fading slightly and we might see a little bit of profit taking in the sector I think you know if you're looking in the sector at the moment I prefer to go with quality and rather than uh, the peripheral players and uh, I don't think Pam PAM for me, Pan Asia Metals, really stacks up. They've got lots of big plans, but um, you know it's still pretty early stage, to be honest. So um, okay. I, I would prefer elsewhere 
And, you know, when you get the likes of Core Lithium, which is down from a dollar ninety to, what is it, a dollar forty-five. having said that, it went from a dollar fifteen to a dollar ninety in a month. So, you know, there's still a little bit of potential downside there. But when you're looking at some of the quality players, uh, even Pilbara, uh, then uh, why go to the, um, the also-rans when you can get the quality at the top of the, of the, um, the cream right. rather than the, yeah, uh, yeah. the whey? Uh, but, but you have uh, bid on a few explorers. Yep. Haven't you in the past? Yeah. Um, yep. Not necessarily so at the top end. So you you do do the cross section, but even in in say your high risk explorer plays, this wouldn't rate in that. Not really. I right. think uh, Gallon is one, and uh, Global Lithium keeps uh, popping up on my radar. So I, I wouldn't really go with this one. You know, Thailand is a. It's a strange country in some respects. If you ask Kingsgate about Thailand, they wouldn't be particularly um, good about the whole thing. And they do change their mind. They can be quite mercurial about things at times. Um, so it's not the greatest uh, mining sovereign nation as far as Australian companies go. I, I just, you know, that there are positives here. It's early stage, but I think, you know, if we are going to see a bit of a lithium sell-off, which uh, you know, we are seeing in spots, then there's probably better places to be just at the moment. But, you know, it's one for the watch list, undoubtedly. And right. if you hold it, you might be a believer. But um, certainly be coming good. off the bottom, but I think it's um, it's going to okay. be a sideways move for here. All right. Andrew? Yeah, look, I think it's a hold, Koshi, and I certainly wouldn't disagree with the Lion King. Um, <laughs> but it's very, very, very early stage. Like, we haven't even, I think, got a scoping study at this stage. We're certainly not at a feasibility stage. And one of my first things I look at is how many uh, shares are traded daily, $20,000 worth. That's it. So even if you like it, it's pretty hard to get set in it, yeah. So, which is why it's early stage, you know. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a hold. The, the one key thing I like about it is that it's in that right area, and what I mean by that is in that Southeast Asia area. Thailand is a big auto manufacturer. It's, um, where, where did I see there before? It's in the top five in Asia and just outside the top 10 globally. So if they can make this work, it's absolutely in the right space, but it's very, 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 very early. Lots could go wrong. Lots could go right. It's a hold. Yep. Okay. All right, well, Roger wants a view, uh, Whisperer, on the Beta Shares Energy Transition <laughs> Metals ETF. Now, it's got energy, uh, transition, metals. Sounds sexy, is it? I'm going to go home and tell my wife tonight, you know, she goes, how did your day go? I went, oh, yeah, Koshi called me Whisperer. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> Anyway, uh, look, early days, early days for XMET uh, because it's recently uh, just listed four and a half million dollars worth of funds under management. So if we compare that to some other ETFs out there that have one, two billion dollars, four and a half million, you know, I, I, I like to sort of let these ETFs sort of um, just get established, get a bit of a feel as to how they're going. Four and a half million doesn't really let us do that. And it is, as the name suggests, focusing on those companies that are going to be helping assist the transition to the, the low carbon economy. So re renewable energy, battery storage, electric vehicles, right. all the sexy, exciting things. Uh, has things like Pilbara, IGO uh, and Alkium. Uh, about 34% Australia, which is pretty unusual. A lot of these ones tend to be underweight. Australia tend to be sort of overweight, more offshore. So that's good to see. 
And the index that it follows over the last three years is up 31% per annum. So lots to like, ticks all the boxes, but relating to track record, there isn't any. Right. Um, so at and this stage, it's it's a hold. And, and doesn't have any critical mass. Is there... Is there an equivalent that is a sector leader in this that that you would look as an alternative? Um, I would sort of look at ACDC, right? Um, yeah, that's from Globex, yep, uh, or formerly ETF Securities, uh, yeah. because it sort of has like Pilbara as an example. It's its number one holding as well. It's not a like for like, but it's the the closest that you're going to get. Right. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's a hold. Okay, Henry. Um, I wouldn't go near this, to be honest, Koshi, I've got to say. Um, you know, it's, it's tiny. It's just started out. It's another one of these uh, ETFs that comes out of, um, you know, whatever's trendy at the time. Let's see if we can capture the zeitgeist and, uh, and take it from there. These take a long time to be established. It may well do, you know, it may well succeed. But really, is, this is not going to be on anyone's radar. I, I must admit, I, unlike Andrew with his ETF whisperer hat on, I, I tend to, I like to buy... Um, the the album as opposed to just the best of, and uh, I don't think the best of really gives you the uh, the full depth in terms of uh, in terms of stocks and uh, in terms of music. So I, I tend to like to buy the individual stocks rather than the ETF and and, yep. and be a stock picker rather than hey let's just buy the best of at Christmas and give it to your aunt. Okay. <laughs> Burn. You just got burnt <laughs> badly, Andrew, I think. All right, let's see. Well, there is plenty of time left in this hour for you, for you to get revenge. Um, all right, let's go to an individual stock. Uh, Henry Roger wants a view on Brambles, the big uh, logistics group famous for its, uh, for its chip pallets. Uh, yeah, famous for losing them, really. Um, there, there was a time, uh, a long time ago, when they seemed to misplace them. I mean, millions of these got misplaced. Wow. The, the big key for Brambles was the uh, the plastic pallet that they were going with for Walmart. The other problem they had, which they have no longer uh, been pursuing, so that's I think the market's taken that as a positive, um, and it did blip up on the back of that. Of course, Brambles moves stuff around on wooden pallets, so it did have some problems in terms of the timber price because you've got to make the wooden pallets out of something and uh, that was a bit of a drag on the economy it is kind of defensive there's nothing wrong with it it's um, it's not very exciting it's geared to global growth and we're constantly beaten over the head in terms of being told that uh, global growth is is going to fall the IMF is telling us we're in for a global recession the US is supposedly heading a recession I can't see it particularly happening at the moment but you know looking out it does bode that way so um, it, this one's probably a hold it is defensive it had a big big run up to $13.20 and uh, has now come back to around $11.20 I think this is probably uh, going to churn around these levels until we get more clarification on what the, the global growth uh, story really is because this does rely on things being shoved around the planet on wooden pallets so right. uh, defensive nothing wrong with it you're not going to blow up the house on it but it's i don't know what the catalyst is the catalyst initially was that walmart decision with the plastic pallets uh, that is now out of the way they're not going ahead with that and that kind of helped them and of course timber prices lumber prices as they say in the u.s coming down helps them in creating new pallets as well so but it is a, a global growth logistics story i think if you wanted to play logistics there's probably other ways to play it. Goodman Group is one that springs to mind. 
Okay. All right. Um, what do you think, Andrew? Uh, vanilla, Koshi. Vanilla. Uh, it's just... The best of. <laughs> the best of. Like, I'm still hurting <laughs> by that, Henry. I, I thought we were mates. Like, seriously. Um, and I'm still trying to come back with a witty comeback. So I'll come back in the middle of next year and I'll, ah, I've got you. Um, no, look, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with brambles. But, you know, when you've got to say, if your opening line is the best thing you can come up with is there's nothing wrong with it, you know, one of my famous lines is it's harmless. I would suggest that uh, brambles is harmless. Uh, the PE of 17 times versus forecast earnings per share growth of 10%, so it fails the peg ratio. Certainly it is defensive, but if 80% of their exposure is to US and also Europe, and we've got concerns about is there going to be a hard landing for their economies next year, then that does concern me a little bit. Lesser demand for pallets. Sure, some of that inflation um, pressure around the wooden pallets is coming off a little bit, but I don't think that's, it's not priced appropriately. It's trading about a dollar below consensus, but Andrew the miserable would probably want to try and get it around that 10, 10, 50 right. marks so at 11 odds. So right. it's, it's a hold. Okay. All right. But okay. a lot of people see companies like this as a foundation for their portfolio. You build the foundation, strong, um, steady companies, predictable, and then you build your sexiness and your growth companies around it. Does this even qualify for, you know, those 10 or 12 foundation stocks that you may have in a portfolio? Or is it even a bit too boring even to get into that, Andrew? <laughs> you, 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 you almost had me, Koshi, and then until you said predictable. Right. Um, and right. you, you lost me at predictable because, right, okay. again, in the context of that demand for pallets, you know, if I was going to play that game, why wouldn't you have, say, CSL as an example? Yeah. Why wouldn't okay. you have Macquarie as an example? Right. Uh, Bramble's old, old economy. Uh, nothing wrong with old economy. A bit like best of albums. But um, sorry, it's the best I've got at the moment. Right. But, yeah, I, I, I would say that it probably wouldn't be a cornerstone one at these right. prices, but at 10, right. 10 50, yeah. Okay. Uh, Henry? Um, well, well, Koshi and Andrew, as you know, I write about the market every day extensively, and not, not only about small caps, but big caps as well. I don't think there is any mention ever, I don't think I've ever really even talked about brambles. It must be years since I've talked about brambles. Okay. It is that dull. This is not right. just the best of. This is like the best of the lift music. <laughs> this is best of the supermarket music. It is, you know, it, it's oh. it's dependable. It's it's, you know, if if you want to play the brambles game, I don't think you'd be building your portfolio around right. a wooden pallet provider okay. um, and holding it for the long term. I have to say, they've had issues in the past. Uh, they've ha they've had volatility, but you know, as right. I say, I write about the market every day, and this one hardly rates a mention. Okay, all right. It might might be a good theme in the future. I might uh, uh, yeah. do a give us right, your yeah. best foundation stock for a foundation for a, a portfolio. So um, yeah, and I you can't all pick thing. CSL. All right. Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go anywhere near CSL. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's a discussion yeah. for another time. Let's move on. Um, uh, Daryl wants a view. Henry on Bailador Technology Investments. It's a uh, listed the investment company into the tech space. 
Um, hi, Daryl. I think if you were a, an Australian rugby fan, you'd probably never touch this with a barge pole because the ex uh, All Blacks captain David Kirk is the uh, the CEO of this one. Yeah. Uh, Bailador, it's been around for a long time. The problem, I guess, that they've got is that uh, they're an IT investor. They invest in IT. It's a LIC. It's trading at a big discount to its NTA. I think which is around a dollar seventy two ish at the moment. Uh, they're trading at around a dollar thirty. So there, there's clearly a big discount, and it's not the only one. They're not Robinson Crusoe here. I mean, there's so many LICs at the moment trading at a big discount. The problem with this one is the problem with a lot of these ones is transparency. It does have a huge, apart from the fact it's got a bunch of cash, so that's not exactly very exciting because at some stage it's going to do something with that cash. 49% in cash at the moment, so um, that's pretty uninspiring. Uh, it's got 25% in private investments. Now, private investments are all well and good when the market is firing, but they're not so good when the market is under a little bit of pressure, and they're very, you know, they're very, I've got a few private investments, and they're quite hard to value. And they're not very liquid, and they do sort of trade by appointment or consensus with whoever uh, runs the sort of the, the, the trading scheme for those private investments. And they do require liquidity events, and Baylor Doors had one or two of those, which is why they've got so much cash at the moment. You know, it's if they said, "Hey guys, you know, we're going to return 25% of that cash to shareholders," then you could go, "Oh, okay, there's some value here." But at the moment, um, it's 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 a hold. But I just worry about the valuations mm. of their private investments. You, you know, you look at SoftBank. How's that going with their valuation of some of their private investments? So yeah. I'm not. I'm not saying this is a SoftBank, but it's just. It's hard when they're not transparent. It's hard to put a, a, okay. a your finger on whether the 172 is right until you get a liquidity event, and then the answer is. Well, what do you do with all the cash? Do you give it back to shareholders? Okay. Be nice. Another interesting listed um, tech. Um, investment company, uh, Touch Ventures. We had, we've had on a couple of times over the last three weeks. They invest in uh, fintechs associated with Afterpay, if you like. They're actually giving the money back um, to to shareholders. And at the time, the um, uh, a number of people on on the panel, the experts were saying. Well, if you really believed in the tech sector, why would you be giving it back when prices are so low? Shouldn't you be taking advantage of the cycle? Now, you're saying Baylor Door should give it back, but Touch Ventures is giving it back to shareholders, but being criticised, saying, well, you don't have much conviction. Well, that is that is very true, Koshi, I have to say. You know, if, if you're in the business of investing in IT businesses and you're giving the money back to shareholders, then, you know, you are admitting that, yeah. You haven't got anything good you can find. The the problem, I guess, is for all these LICs, and this is not just confined to Baylor is how do you close up the big, big discount? Yeah. And one of those ways could be by handing ah. cash back to investors, because okay. otherwise the thing will just languish at a big yeah. discount. The same as, you know, we're going to talk about uh, another one later in the show, but they do just languish. And the transparency is the issue. What are those private investments worth? And you know, one man's private investment is another one's hole in the in the balance sheet. To be honest, so right. you know, it's it's not easy. Um, I don't know about Touch. It's not one that I follow an awful lot. But um, you know, if they're looking at opportunities in the buy now, pay later space, yeah. then um, 
yeah, good yeah, luck. <laughs> probably give it back. Um, yeah, Andrew, give it back. <laughs> uh, what, what do you think of uh, Bailador? And I do notice one of your filters is director buying. And yes, the all black David Kirk, who's executive chairman, has been buying a bit. Indeed. Just if I can just park that briefly and just finish the philosophical discussion around valuation. I mean, you could also extend this to super funds and industry funds versus retail funds and private equity and private credit and how do you value all that? So that when someone's saying, well, I had an amazing return, but it's full of unlisted stuff that hasn't been valued for a while or yeah. the inconsistent methodology, it's it's just a, a Pandora's box, Koshi. Yeah. It's a Pandora's yeah. box. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but relating to uh, BDI, I, I don't mind it, but uh, my learned friend, the Lion King, basically has nailed it. How do you close that gap with these listed investment companies? We'll be covering another one a little bit later on, which doesn't have that issue. Um, but certainly in the case of this and a number of other listed investment companies, it's a big issue. You don't have that issue with ETFs. A dollar is a dollar. And that's probably one of the appeals of the ETFs, whereas listed investment companies can trade at significant premiums to asset backing yeah. as well. Um, some of the Wilson stable have that issue too. So in the context of BTI, uh, when they make a bet it, and it works, it works really well. Sightminder, as an example, they made 22 times their money. So uh, they do have a good track record on it, but I think this one is a hold until we see what they're doing with that cash because it's a cash box. Why would I buy a cash box? Okay. All right. So a hold or not Not for you get in? A hold. It's a hold. Okay. All right. It's a hold. Um, our fifth stock, uh, the last one for this half hour, Sally wants a view. Henry on New Century uh, Resources, um, the um, zinc producer. Um, are you into zinc? Yeah. Uh, well, not personally, no, but uh, New Century Resources, NCZ being the stock code, uh, it has been bashed around the head, as has a lot of resource companies. Uh, to some extent, a lot of them actually have been at record highs. So, you know, one resource company is not the same as another one, but zinc obviously has been a little bit on the nose, but we have seen a little bit of a renaissance in things oh. like nickel, which has had some big moves, and zinc as well. I've got to say, I don't mind this one. I think this is probably a buy here. There's there's not many ways to get the pure zinc exposure. There's not it's, That's the problem with some of these resource companies. They're kind of diversified, so if you want zinc or you want nickel, and we're going to talk about a nickel one later. You know, you sometimes get it tied up with other um, commodities, which yeah. does dilute the story a little bit. This is a plain and simple story that we've just had their uh, quarterly out. Uh, they've got a new CEO as well, which is interesting because that can uh, bring some change. They've got record zinc productions. Costs were beating expectations. Uh, the zinc price is perking up, yeah. and it has been walloped from sort of $2.80 back down to a dollar. Yeah. So I, for me, I think this one is a buy. I've got to say, I'm going to pin my, um, I'm going to put my heart on my sleeve and say this is okay. a buy at these sorts of prices. It could be a little early, but I think generally resources at the moment remain a good place to be. This is a pure zinc play, and uh, I think this is a buy at these levels. Uh, a top 15 global producer of zinc. It's right up there. Yeah, well. Yeah, it's right oh, up there. Don't but, sound know, so impressed. 
it's a bit it's a bit like being number 15 in the spotify chart the first 14 are taylor swift <laughs> <laughs> all right so, um you know you're kind of a, you're kind of an also ran at the at number 15 but this is certainly an emerging one and i think yeah. at these prices it's buy. okay andrew what do you think of um a new century Gosh, how do, how, do, how do I sort of compete with Henry? Like, seriously, like, I'm just, um, it's just full of the one-liners. Uh, look, it's a Queensland company, so, you know, it's immediately sort of moved ahead of a number of the other ones that we've spoken about today. Uh, but as we just saw before, that price action has been ordinary. And in fact, over the last five years, it's lost 42% per annum. That's not a bad effort. Uh, I'm assuming they weren't trying to do that, but uh, it's trading on a P of five yeah, so versus the industry uh, versus the industry average 10 times is the um, resource sector so on that basis it's cheap on a consensus valuation basis three dollars sixty is the consensus valuation consensus of one i might add um but uh, look i i would like to see it sort of maybe pick up a little bit i note that the zinc price peaked uh, middle of last year at about $4,500 a tonne. It's now turning, it's back to 3100 So really, given it's high leverage to zinc, you want to see the zinc price continue to pick up. You want to see that share price continue to turn. And then it might be a punt, but uh, at best for me, it is a hold, I'm sorry. Okay. So, um, Henry, what, what do they use zinc for? Um, is it like copper that's... Galvanising. Sorry? Galvanising. Right. So is it galvanizing metal? Is is it a barometer like copper of of economic yeah. growth when there's a recession? You know, it goes down or it, it hasn't got the PhD that uh, that copper has. Copper is always always known as Doctor Copper because yeah. it is that barometer of global growth. Uh, it's used in so many applications in terms of you know wiring in houses, yeah. copper yeah. plumbing, uh, and now electric vehicles. Zinc doesn't have the same thing. It is, uh, you know, the galvanising of metal to make it um, rust-proof. And, uh, you know, if you buy a car that's got galvanised steel in it as opposed to a Lancia or, um, or a Fiat, you'll know the difference there is your car will dissolve on your driveway. So that is primarily uh, its biggest use. But it, it, I guess to some extent all, all commodities are a global barometer to, to, to some extent. Um, but Dr. Copper is kind of the one that is ubiquitous and is seen as that proxy for growth, uh, whereas the others are kind of coattailing. They're, you know, they're coming on behind the doctor. They may, okay. be, may be only a professor. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, let's recap the first five stocks and stock of the day. Aristocrat, a hold from both uh, Andrew and Henry. Pan-Asia, um, a no for Henry. If you want that exploration space, he, he likes global gal or galleon. Uh, hold from Andrew. Uh, the Beta Energy, um, uh, Tech, uh, Energy Transformation Metal, da, da, da. they all have long names, these ETFs, don't they? Um, <laughs> a no from Andrew. Uh, Henry, a hold. It's very small. Uh, he prefers ACDC in that sector. Uh, Brambles, um, let's put it down as a yawning hold from both Andrew and um uh, and Henry, they get a bit bored by the sound of it with brambles. Bailador, a hold. Uh, New Century, a hold from Andrew and a buy from Henry. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy growth fund as picked by our, our investment committee, the uh, November investment committee meeting 
is on the platform, osbiz.com, for you to have a look at at the moment at that November meeting. Uh, Instatec pivot was removed, seven group holdings was added, mineral resources was trimmed, the holding in that, and that trimming increased the weight in JB Hi-Fi and Wes Farmers. Uh, since the 1st of March, the portfolio is up eight and a quarter percent. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Um, this half hour, we're going to be taking a look at Sarah Resources, Poseidon Nickel. It's a blast from the past, isn't it? And Core, uh, iShares Core S&P Small Cap ETF and the Regal Investment Fund. Uh, Henry Jenny wants a view on Sarah Resources, um, the explorer developer in... Um, uh, whereabouts in Victoria? Mozambique. Uh, Mozambique, sorry, that's pretty close. Uh, near Lake Victoria. Um, the company sells graphite in that graphite area. Um, what do you think of Sarah? Um, well, it was a dog, I have to say. It was a, it was a dog doing nothing for a long time in a pretty, uh, pretty large trading range, and it hadn't really picked up on the lithium boom. All that changed when they got the uh, the US Department of Energy grant up for uh, 220 million US for that expansion in Louisiana for the um, the Vidalia facility. So that, that really kick-started this one back into life. And graphite was one of those forgotten commodities uh, when we talk about the electric vehicle and the battery story. Everyone's been focused very hard on lithium, but graphite has come back. Um, I actually sat on a, a, a board uh, on a, um, a panel with uh, the CSIRO's head uh, research guy, and we talked about graphite and um, flake sizes and the optimal no. flake size. I was so out of my depth, it was not funny, Koshi. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I was just flapping my gums. This guy was a genius. The the upshot with this one, though, is the problem they've got, um, apart from, uh, is that uh, Balama is in Mozambique, and they do seem to keep having... Uh, security issues uh, with the mine and uh, that does wow. tend to slow things down a little bit and they're currently again uh, having a bit of a security issue. The, the US deal was was a huge huge boost for them. The share price went from sort of a dollar seventy to two dollars sixty on the back. We just went for a, an almighty trot. I suspect we're going to see this one drift off a little bit until we get more news but certainly the uh, the move from the US to sort of enhance their strategic position in some of these battery materials like uh, graphite is is strong. So um, I wouldn't write this one off. It's probably going to see some profit taking. I wouldn't be surprised it back to 220. Um, so on that basis, it's a sell. But, um, you know, that, if it got back to 220, I think you'd be loading up again. Uh, the yeah. US news was good news. It diversifies it. But I just wish they had to get a little bit more stability in the security situation in Mozambique. Right. Why, why would the US back a company like CIRA um, if it's got a, a, an unstable area? Because there are, there are other producers in, of graphite in, in those graphite flakes in, in more secure um, regions. Uh, there are. I guess it's, you know, one, it's a big resource. And uh, two, CIRA obviously been doing their, um, their work with the US government. Uh, the one that I 
quite liked, and again, this came off the back of the CSIRO guy, started to talk about graphite, which everyone had forgotten about completely, was Talga, which has done quite well as well. That's another one, and they're, called, they're kind of going from uh, paddock to plate in terms of, uh, in terms of their resource, so they're, they're not only going to um, produce it, but they're also going to refine it and create it into uh, battery anode material. So Talga's had a, a good bounce. And uh, from a dollar fifteen up to a uh, dollar forty-one, so that's that's doing quite well. But graphite was the sort of forgotten EV yeah. story for a long time. That the Syra thing with the US really helped, and it really does help them get that um, security of supply and security of production that the US needs. So okay, um, I think that that's that's the reason. But there, there's a few out there. Okay, uh, Andrew, Syra. Yeah, and Sarah, I think from memory, their mine has a 50-year life. So, oh, right. you know, you talk about sort of yeah. longevity of supply, um, then certainly that may be something the U.S. Department of Energy likes because the U.S. Department of Energy has also given them a loan on top of the 220 grand. They've given them a loan for yeah. 100 million as well for that expansion of that Louisiana plant. So oh. certainly the U.S. government's backing them. Um yeah, look, I, I think closer to that $192, that's probably the buying price, and certainly that's where consensus is as well. It's, uh, we just saw before that chart, it's just rocketed up to 240-odd, so you really need to let it sort of pull back, fill the gap, as uh, the technical analyst here in the office says, so, which isn't me, Dan. Dan would say it needs to fill the gap, mate. So, yeah, $192 is probably <clears throat> the, top, the top price. So okay. I agree with Henry, it's... Sell. A sell for you. Take some profits now if you've been riding it up. All right. Um, our next stock is a very famous name, but um, no relation. Famous to old people like me. Uh, Poseidon <laughs> Nickel. Connor wants a view on that. Henry, it is a totally different business, isn't it? But is in the nickel business. Got a great name, though, hasn't it, Koshy? Yeah. And oh. uh, very reminiscent of the late 60s and the great Poseidon boom yep. uh, that we had in, in Australia. So uh, this one is no relation. They have a, a project called Black Swan, which is a nickel project. The problem that they've had, and we've been quite keen on this one, is it just is taking forever. Just do it already. Um, that That is the problem that they've had. The Black Swan, they're still doing the feasibility study. There has been delays. Again, this is a pure nickel play, and as we discussed earlier, it's kind of hard to find pure nickel. Some, you know, sometimes it's mixed in with copper, zinc, or it could be polymetallic with a lot of other stuff as well. So this is this is purely uh, a nickel play, as we saw with New Century with the zinc play. This is a nickel play. Nickel's having an almighty run at the moment, um, and this one deserves probably to be higher. And uh, I think this has got potential, but the market has been perpetually disappointed with this one. This is the QBE of the nickel market. This is the one that always seems to be disappointing and stretching the timeline out and, and et cetera, and having issues. Their day will come. Their day will come. And it's a good name. And uh, I think at these sorts of levels, given where the nickel price is at the moment, of course, that could evaporate in a millisecond with the volatility in nickel. But at the moment, I think... Uh, Poseidon Nickel is one to buy at these kind mm. of levels, around four and a half cents. Bit of a punt, but um, hopefully 2023 will be the year they start to deliver as opposed to 2022, which was the year of excuses. Okay. So even though you, you've lost a bit of confidence in the management, you're hoping they'll get their act together and they've got the potential to uh, do it. 
Yeah, I think so. You know, the thing is, at the end of the day, the resource is there. It's like, you know, right. it's like these gold miners that have production problems. At the end of the day, if the gold yeah. hasn't disappeared overnight or the metal hasn't disappeared overnight, it's timing and execution. Now, execution has been lacking, but I think the market's given them a mm. kick up the bottom, uh, being only okay. four and a half cents in a, in a rising nickel market. And maybe that will focus the good people at Poseidon Nickel and 2023 will bring some cheer. Yeah, it's a buy. You, okay, are you focused on Poseidon Nickel, Andrew? I, their management should be. I notice some of them uh, bought shares earlier in the year at nine cents. So they've not not much of them at uh, the value at that level. <laughs> but anyhow, they're underwater. I'm all for sharing the pain, Koshi. So yeah. you know they're they're focused on getting it sorted out. Uh, I had a look at their most recent cash flow statement and potentially I'm misreading it. I have been accused of doing that once or twice. And I note that they've probably only got a couple of quarters of cash left on their current cash burn. Now, it doesn't mean that they can't sort of rein those costs in or they can't go out and raise capital. But to the point around raising capital, maybe the market is potentially looking and saying, hey, there could be a cap raise on the way, which sometimes you know, I'm not too cynical as we've already established earlier, but, uh, you know, if there's some good news coming and then they potentially uh, were to raise capital into that good news coming. So on that basis, I would be a whole, certainly agree with all the the, the nice things about nickel, but, you know, down 52% for the year, not a heap of cash, their cap raise potentially on the horizon. Uh, It is a hold. Okay. All right. Uh, Our next stock that's been sent through by Matt uh, Andrew Amcor, the uh, the big plastic and <laughs> packaging behemoth. Oh no, yeah. Sorry, sorry. This is a brambles, is it? Forty-four thousand employees, <laughs> forty countries. It's big. It's also a brambles, Koshi. It's uh, it's it's another <laughs> it's another it's it's another vanilla special. Right. Uh, nothing nothing wrong with this. Nothing wrong with this. It's harmless, Koshi. Um, it's defensive, 40 countries, 225 plants. Uh, since we last covered it, we covered it about 18 months ago, the ROE was about 17%, now up to 24%. So wow. they're doing a really good job, despite the fact that costs are rising with inflation of being able to pass on those costs. Yeah. Um, the uh, PE of 15 times relative to forecast earnings per share growth is 17 times, 17% rather. So it's better than Brambles, uh, but it's trading <laughs> in line with consensus. So it's a hold. <laughs> better than Brambles. It's like better than Lego. No, uh, better than Brambles, <laughs> but still tired. Lego is excellent. Let's be very clear about this. We're not going to bring Lego into the Brambles and and Amcor Pantheon. So Lego is on its own. So what would you be doing? Why would you do a hold even on it? Well, it's trading at consent. Okay, we'll take it back. If it's got 17% return on shareholders fund, my sort of benchmark is 15%. So with my money, Every dollar they're making seventeen percent on that money. So okay. you know, as That's a business, it's functioning well. Yeah. But has it got a hint of excitement about it? No. None. Okay. Zero. Yeah. All right. I gather you're not excited either, Henry. It's another best of Christmas special from Robbie Williams from me. <laughs> um, it's it's certainly um, you know it's a quality company. 
And you know what else is good about this one? This is one Australian company. It's not really Australian anymore, but made a company-changing acquisition when they kind of merged with Bemis. Yeah. And it's it's kind of worked, which is unusual because usually these uh, you know, homegrown success stories go overseas, mm. buy something big and talk it up and whatever. And in two years' time, they're just going, oh, my God, yeah. what have we done? It's no longer a core asset. <laughs> it's no longer a core asset and we're, we're going to drop $2 billion on it by selling it, but it's a non-balance sheet item. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. You've ripped up $2 billion, you know, however many billion dollars of shareholder funds, and you, you know, insult shareholders by saying it's a non-balance sheet item. Borrell was a classic that ripped up. Uh, well, Mike Kane, I think, was the gentleman in charge yeah. at the time. Company changing. Let's go and buy something big in the U.S. because I need to justify my holidays to Beaver Creek. Um, you know, th this one has been a success story. Yeah. This this has been a success story. It's clearly had inflationary pressures because of the the raw material costs. And I don't think that's going to change. You know, we're seeing oil prices, and when you're looking at plastics, uh, oil is basically plastic. Um, and we've had some recycling issues as well here, as well in Australia, where. You know, we all think we're recycling, but the reality is we're actually not recycling. It's just getting shoved in a warehouse. Um, so it's it's definitely a hold. It's um, you know it's 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 not bad at all. Andrew's exactly right in terms of the, uh, the return. It's not bad. It's a hold, and you know if we did see some of the cost pressures start to ease, and we are, although not yeah. on the oil side of things, uh, then we could see this one perk back up. But you know, if it got to eighteen dollars fifty, you'd sell it. And yeah. if you got to 17 bucks, you'd probably buy it. And here we are at 17.50. You'd probably just go, yeah, best of Robbie Williams. Yeah. Give it to your uncle. Well, he might but, like it. But see, it's uh, you look at the five-year chart we had up before. It's pretty close to a five-year high, but the range over that five years is yeah pretty narrow. And and, and, and you know it's you know we can the, the problem with looking back on uh, some of these long-term charts is that this is pretty much a different business. Right. Um, you know, with that Bemis acquisition, that that was that really was a company changing. That was a massive, yeah. massive acquisition. As I say, that they, they appear to have, I wouldn't say nailed it, but they haven't ripped up tons of money like many others do. So for me, it, it, it's a hold with a slight bias to accumulate on a bad, bad day. But okay. certainly, uh, you know, it's it's good management, good, solid, mm. boring, uh, predictable in some respects because packaging is around, but um, nothing very exciting. Okay. It, it, you need one of those defibrillators, I think, to get excited about this one. <laughs> oh, go ResMed then. No. Um, no. I think they're a sleep apnea. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyhow, <laughs> close enough. Um, Andrew, let's go back to ETFs. Uh, Nick wants a view on iShares Core S&P small cap EDA, ETF. It's catchy, isn't it, Koshi? Yeah. Um, Four hundred <laughs> odd million funds under management. So the previous ETF we looked at, the MER, that management expense ratio, I think was 69 basis points from memory. This yeah. one is seven, oh. seven basis points. So cheap, 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 cheap. So what's it doing? It's basically buying the US um, small cap market, the uh, S&P, uh, didn't write it down. That wasn't very bright of me, was it? But it's basically the smallest companies on the US market. Right. And if we have a look at the return of small caps, both here in Australia and also in the US up until the last couple of weeks, 
their returns, recent returns have been comparable to GFC. So in other words, that small cap end of the market has just been um, clobbered. Mm. So there is an opportunity if you have a higher attitude to risk and you think small companies is where you're going to drive value uh, and try instead of trying to work out which is the best small cap, that, so in Australia, the, the one to look at would be ISO, but certainly from an, an overseas perspective or a US perspective, IJR is certainly one that I don't mind. So I, okay. I think it's a buy, Koshi. Okay. I'd just say it's a buy. All right. Um, Henry, do you think small caps, you, you focus a lot on the small caps. Do you see them coming back? They have been smashed. Uh, markets <laughs> sort of tend when they're in a bear market to focus on, on the top end. Yeah, I mean, this is a big thematic uh, ETF, as a lot of them are. Six, you know, five or six hundred of the top US small caps. I mean, what do I know about the US small caps at the end of the day? You're playing the theme. There is a view that, um, you know, small caps will actually uh, really do quite well in the current economic environment. So I wouldn't argue with Andrew's premise on that. I mean, it does what it's supposed to do, it does what it says on the tin, but, you know, for, for my money i prefer to play closer to home and you know buying into 500 stocks it's kind of you know it's all just a bit mushy for me um but um, but that's me i have a different risk profile perhaps than others but certainly if if you wake up one morning and you say to yourself i know what i've got a great idea i want to buy 600 american small caps today this is the way to do it and it's the easy way to do it. And if you believe that the American economy will escape a recession, uh, which I suspect it will, if, if only a, a moderate one, a slight dip and then back up again, then uh, this could be a place to go. It, it's, you know, it's it's probably a buy, but I don't wake up many mornings and say, I've got this brilliant idea, I'm going to buy 600 American small cap stocks. It's just All right, what not a, something I'd do. What about the theme that small caps will start to come back? Are you starting to, to see that? They've never left, Koshi. They've never yeah, left. No. You just have to pick the right ones. I th- you know, that, that's, that's the joy of small cap investing is that you do, it does come down to stock selection. Right. This, is a, you know, this is a set and forget, easy way, chuck the money at the wall. You invest in 600 of them uh, in the US and, you know, the US being the biggest market, the biggest economy in the world still, uh, you're going to get that uptick when the economy improves. So it, it's a really easy set and forget, quick and dirty. And Andrew's absolutely right as he should be, because he is the whisperer, even if he's the flying whisperer. Ask him about his flying. Um, but um, <laughs> so I dropped that one in. But um, but yeah, I mean, if, 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 if that's where you want to go, this is a really good way to play it. Personally, you know, there's enough Australian small caps uh, with good potential to keep me uh, well and truly amused. Okay. All right. Um, and the last uh, stock, Andrew, Phil wants a view on Regal Investment Fund, another uh, listed investment company. What do you think of Regal? I presume it isn't Phil King asking about his own company. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that's quite the coup. Um, but look, I uh, we, we supported RF1 Regal on the uh, on the float back in June 2019, I think it was, and uh, didn't have the best start. In fact, it was pretty underwhelming. But the performance since then has been outstanding. Uh, it's actually been one of the few um, listed investment companies that has been trading recently near their asset backing and there was a period of time where it was trading well above asset backing and I think that's because the market holds their performance in such high regard. 
Um, they are down 13% for one year, but over three years, they're up 21% per annum. And what it is, is it's you could call it a hedge fund, basically. They take long and short positions. So basically, they either like something or they dislike something. So there's no sort of ambiguity as to what their view of the world is. Uh, they've got very strong on materials, they're overweight materials, they're overweight energy, they're overweight financials and they're underweight consumer discretionary, they're underweight utilities and they're underweight staples. In other words, they're positioning themselves for that uh, continued inflationary environment. So I like it, Koshi. One, though, that Henry and I really do like, though, and maybe I'm stealing Henry's thunder, um, is uh, LSF, um, which is the uh, L1 long short fund. That's probably the one I would buy. Right. Uh, certainly nothing wrong with R1. I do like it. It's okay. a hold, though. All right. Uh, Henry, which one would you choose? Um, well, I choose them both. Uh, uh, Phil, Phil King is a smart guy. Andrew and I used to work with Phil back in the day uh, at right. Macquarie. And uh, he is a smart guy, I have to say. If, if you look through the uh, the sort of the encyclopedia of Australian small caps, you will probably find Regal in there at some point and uh, with some sort of shareholding. They're kind of all over the market. So last we talked about an ETF which had exposure to US small caps, 600 of them. If you want an exposure to Australian small caps, that's adding uh, value in terms of intellectual property as well, rather than just an ETF, which is just you know set and forget and just buy the assets. These guys are one of the best at doing mm. that, and certainly over the long term, they have done that. RF1, and as Andrew rightly says, they have been trading at premiums in the past. They're trading around NTA at the moment. I guess the issue that uh, we have seen with some of these, and this is a kind of a fund of funds almost, because they have a whole bunch of different strategies that go into the fund. Some long, some short, some are market neutral, some are combo, uh, right. some small caps, emerging caps. So there's a whole different bunch of strategies that go into this. So there's a bit of dilution there. And it does, of course, re remain the key man issue. And we've mm. seen this with uh, young Mr. Douglas with, uh, with Magellan, is that uh, you know, some of these stocks depend on the on the, the serious investment now of the boss man and, yeah. and Phil King is a smart guy. He's not. Um, he's not. Um, I guess he's probably about the same age as me. So he's a young guy still, and um, they've done a really really good job with this one. And I think you know for me, if you wanted to buy small caps, if you think our market's going to rally and it has rallied, let's face it, um, the next stage will be when that rotation starts to come, where you, you see people take money out of the big ones. And start putting in the little ones, then RF1 could be the way to play it. It is unusual that it trades close to NTA, and the reason it does, I suspect, is the mystique around Phil, and right. also the fact that he's pretty generous with the dividend policy as well. They paid, I think it was over a dollar in special dividends uh, not that long ago, a year or so mm -hmm. ago. Um, so okay. you know that they're happy to reward shareholders as well. So this one, this one for me is a buy. It has been on my list a number of times. I still like LSF as well, long short, L1 long short. Uh, Mark Landu does a great job there as well. So, yeah, okay, both good. All right, excellent. All right, chaps, thank you for that. We got a dash, Andrew Whelan from DP Wealth Advisory. Good to see you, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Thank you, gents. See you next time. Thanks, uh, let's recap the uh, the final five stocks. Sarah Resources, a sell from both Andrew and Henry. Um, if it gets down to around that $2 mark between $1.90 and, and $2.20, they'd be getting back into it again. Uh, Poseidon, a speculative buy from um, Henry. 
a hold from Andrew and Core, a hold from both. Uh, iShares Core S&P small cap, a, uh, a buy from uh, from Andrew. He prefers a local one though. ISO is the um, is the stock tag, and uh, Regal a hold from Andrew and a buy from Henry. Um, if you've got any stocks you'd like us to uh, to cover here on the call for me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email, uh, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Just a reminder, you can find all the stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Coming up next, the small caps. Mm-hmm.